Hello, everyone. This is From the Fringe, coverage of The Traders UK Season 2. I like being naughty and not being told off for it. I'm Sarah Carradine, and with me, another man, it's Sean Bryan. Hello, hello. It's just like the olden days, and I'm not a trader, but Ross is. Ross absolutely is. And if the ship starts to sink, we just kick him overboard. It's Australia Season 2 Faithful, Payton Bennett. Hey, Payton. Oh, thank you for having me. It's funny you say that because, yes, the, the boat sinking in my season is the challenge I got murdered on. So it, it's apt you say that. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. It's only Sam Smith. Sam! What? Me or the singer-songwriter? It's me, right? The uh, noted dentist and book author. <laughs> Thank you very much. Lovely to be back. I can only pop in for a little bit because I'm about to go to the beach with my family. But I'm such a fan of every other faithful that has ever played this game. So I had to pop in and say hello to Peyton, who I've never met before. So it is a delight to be here it with is, you all. It is my honour. <laughs> it is my honour being with the winner of Traders New Zealand. I'm simply a third murdered faithful. I tried my best, but it didn't work. So I can only look up to Sam Smith. <laughs> Who has the faithfuls actually won in Australia 2 theory? Oh, so, I had that. So technically, I feel like on a technicality, because of the traders' dilemma and everyone choosing steel and the traders losing, I feel like in Traders Season 2 of Australia, I think the faithful won because the traders definitely did not win. They definitely I completely so, agree. I mean... Yeah, I completely <laughs> agree with that. Peyton, you were a hero. Share the money fifteen ways. Yeah. I'll I'll take that fifteen k. I'm I'm cool with that. Like, yeah. If I can share yeah. a fifth of the money that they were giving out in Australia as well, that would be great. Um, that would be a lot more than I actually got for winning. <laughs> you still made more than any Sam last year. That's right. I'm the greatest yes. Sam at um at what's the show called? Traitors. I was about Traitors. to say Taskmaster. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, look, before we get into Ross's villain origin story, which is going to occupy much of this podcast, Peyton, what are your thoughts on the season so far, the cast, the production, the twists? Yeah, this is, I think I said to my fiancé as we finished episode nine was like, yeah, I think this is going as my favourite of all the seasons so far. UK season one was my favourite before this, um, and I think this is surpassing it. It, it kind of had semi-slow beginning you know bit push heavy on the whole pole villain narrative but now it's really coming into its own and i just love the like mess of like uk seasons like they're so fun like the characters are so good like they really cast well like yeah i'm loving it loving every second of it that's amazing earlier in one of the other podcasts we're talking about how amazing it is they do the stunt casting of a like a couple that exists and it being a mother and a child i saw a tweet earlier in the week that pointed out that at the end of episode three at the first week was Diane announcing that Ross was her son. The end of the second week was Diane being poisoned. And then the end of the third week was Ross being recruited to be a traitor. So this family is just nailing the cliffhangers oh, yeah. every week of this show. So we can only Couldn't hope the cliffhanger it. of episode 12 is Ross announcing that he's the winner and that Diane is his mum. Oh, that'll be so good if he does it right at the end. Yeah, that'd be amazing. That'll be so good. Although I do hope that the faithful wins still. Like no matter no matter the version of the show, even though these traders have been pretty good, um, the, the faithful are being so much better in this one, I think, and deserve to win. So let's take it out. Um, who's left? Uh, let's take it out, Molly. Yes. 
Speaking about who's left, our drafts, Sam, are in tatters. Uh, You have Molly left. That's why you Mm. want her to take it out. I have Ross left, so I'm clinging. Uh, Sean, you have Harry, Andrew, and Jasmine. So, Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) We shall see. We shall see. Uh, I I won't point out that I won last uh, the New Zealand one draft because Sean made a a fatal error. Uh, All right. What do you think, Payton, about the traitors picking picking another traitor to join, which they've also used in the US, which we just hear today has been uh, renewed for a third season? Yeah, so, like, the whole, like, recruitment thing just changes the whole aspect of the show. Like, they constantly push this idea, you got to get the traders out. But due to recruitment, it's almost a narrative of you need to survive. And if you can survive long enough, potentially maybe get recruited. But you don't know who the traders are. So getting recruited is just a crapshoot at this point because it's like, they could recruit me because I'm their best friend. Or they could recruit me because they want to throw me under the bus. Or they could just recruit me because I'm a random person and they're picking like you've seen someone recruited for a number of different reasons across all the shows that to this point like the optimal strategy is just to survive it's not you got to pick the traders out in fact I think actively going for traders loses you the game (laughs) like I have yet to see someone who actively goes for traders and wins (laughs) like to the point that it it gets them eliminated so quickly that it allows other faithful who are with them to make it to the end. Like Sam is a good example, but Mm. like from your season, the really openly loud trader hunters cut off at the head. They don't even have a chance to be recruited. (laughs) Like it's just, exactly right. it's brutal. They're just going to, everyone's getting rid of all the people that are threats to them in any way at all. And there's so little to go on as well. So like if someone is like, Oh, that person seems slightly confident. uh, Cool. Let's get rid of them. Yeah. You're totally right. What did you do? Did you go in with, with that strategy, Peyton? I mean, my strategy was to be a traitor. I told them during <laughs> my casting, I said, don't bother casting me if you're going to make me a faithful. That So when I got cast, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm set up here. Let's go, traitor, Peyton. And it didn't happen. I went, oh, great. So now I knew the optimal strategy was try and get as close to as many people as possible and get a best friend that's a traitor and keep them on side. I was doing that with Luke and Camille. I really hoped one of them was a traitor. Unfortunately, one of them wasn't. But if they were, I was sitting pretty because they both thought I was like their number one ally. They would never get rid of me in like any day of the week. And then I would have went to final three with them and then voted them out. Like that would have been the idea. Like not like one of them I would have if they were a traitor. So as I was leaving, I was starting to get sus on Sam. So potentially maybe there's that world where you use Sam to get more information out of who the other traders are. You saw Annabelle do that. The whole strategy is basically try and survive murders. I knew I couldn't get banished due to the relationships I built. So I was like, okay, I, I just need to survive murders and I should be sitting pretty. <laughs> like, And then, you know, murders, they can murder for any number of reasons. So it's like... Oh, man, it would... <laughs> You talk about this so well. It would have been so good to have seen you more throughout your season. Like, you've, you've obviously thought about it so cleverly. Oh, it's, it's such a shame that, um, that yeah, you were the third out. You would have smoked him if they... <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was like the sixth out, but yes, third murdered. <laughs> like it's, third murdered. There's not much you can do because I was, I was cast, like me and Annabelle were clearly like the super fans of the season. They've got to pick people who know like strategy these games. You can see mm-hmm. like behind me, all these board games, I've played Mafia hundreds of times. I understand yeah. the strategy. But at the end of the day, 
if I even say something that's semi-smart, like Blake has told me, he's like, Peyton, you just said certain things that went, oh, oh, he's a bit too smart. And that's it. Like I accidentally say in front of Blake, oh, like we need to be a bit quiet. Let's not say names too loudly. And he goes, oh, Peyton's too smart. Get rid of it. Like Mm. a single sentence can end your entire game just because you know something. So that's why when people say, oh, you need to act dumb, it's it's really hard to act dumb. <laughs> like you need to actually just know nothing about the show and go into it and openly go <laughs> to people like, I've no idea. So I loved actually Andrew. He's getting a bit of the bumbling trader edit, but he's generally like he's lying. He's going, someone like I think it was like Ross was like, ah, they must have recruited. And he goes, What does that mean? What does that mean? It was so believable. He actually had no idea what recruitment meant, but he did. He was a traitor. He knows exactly what it meant. And I even, loved it. I loved Andrew. Even at one of the roundtables, he defended Jazz, and Jazz being so almost obviously faithful at this point really yeah. kind of like makes Andrew seem more faithful as well. But I wanted to ask a question to both of you as two faithful people. We saw two recruitments this week, and that brought us at the end of episode nine back up to three traders, and there are only three roundtables left. and what do you think? I know this is written into the rules that they can do this, but what do you think in terms of the fairness of this, that we're basically almost guaranteed to have at least one trader, if not more, once we get to the fire pit? Do you think that the traders should be able to recruit this late back up to three, or should they be forced to stay at two? And then if two goes down to one, then maybe they can recruit again. So Peyton, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, a huge part of this, because I was like trying to play the numbers out in my head of like how can this end game work it's whether they reveal their role after the fire pit because in Mm. some seasons they have revealed they say yeah i'm a faithful and then like in your season sam the the Mm. fact that she said i'm a faithful you knew there had to still be a trader there had to be but i know like in our rules it was a it is up to production basically they can decide on whether two people reveal their roles at any period of time. But for me, it makes sense towards the end. So if they decide after final five or whatever, no longer people reveal their roles, I enjoy that because then they can just have people going off their gut. Like, I think they were both the traders. We can just end the game now. And then you have a situation, yeah, where a lot of traders get to the end or you have it where you could have like just three faithful at the end and they've won and they go, oh, I still want to vote someone out. (laughs) Like, I can't do this. Like... I would prefer that better. But if they just reveal their roles, it doesn't really matter how many traders left because the faithful will realise, well, there's still got to be one left. There's still got to be one left. So they'll just keep voting. Some faithful. Vote. So, some yeah. faithful. Sari would like a word, but yes. Some yeah. faithful. These faithful are clearly keeping track because they were like, well, there was a murder last night. So there can't have been one trader left. So there has to be two. Because if there was only one, they have to blackmail. So there has to be two traders. They figured that out. But now with obviously these new recruitments and stuff, they might lose track again, but they seem to be okay with keeping track of who's, how many there are. I like the way the show works the way it is. I think it's perfect the way it is. Never change it. I like the way it goes, especially when I'm playing. Because <laughs> you might have ended the game if they didn't reveal roles. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's so funny. I didn't, thinking about it now, I think I would have probably ended the the game, I th- yeah, I definitely thought Julia was a traitor. So yeah, I would have, mm. I would have ended the show. I would not have won. So yeah, don't change it. Keep it the way it is. It's the way it is. <laughs> what did you think, Sam, of this stratagem of recruiting Ross, who is now got his villain origin story, as we will discuss at some point, <laughs> recruiting him and then revealing 
Harry's shield as if, oh, the traitors tried to hit Harry and he's still here and that's why the numbers are as they are. I think you get to a danger. The traitors get to a point where they get quite confident and they um, do crazy things like that. Like that is a that sort of a little side rule that they that was mentioned in your season, Payton, as well. That the traitors, the only time traitors can kill, uh, can murder another traitor, is to con- cause confusion if someone has the shield. So this is the one exception. Harry's gone. Oh, cool. Yeah, let's play this play this role. And I just think it's a bad idea. I just think at this point of the game they should just. They should just get rid of someone. They should just get the numbers down. It's he's, he's they're right in recruiting and getting Ross on board. I think that's a great call. But just by doing this this weird thing, it's traders getting too confident, too cocky, and it can only lead to trouble. Like when Brooke and Colin decide to try kill the person with the shield and not me. I'm so grateful they did, but they shouldn't have done that. What a dumb move to do in the game. <laughs> yeah. And- it sort of depends who you are on whether it's a good move or not. Like, obviously for Harry, he's he's already got people saying like, oh, I thought you were going to get murdered. Like, this is now sus as to why he's not been murdered. So the whole having the shield thing, yeah, he can play that whole like, oh, they tried to murder me. This is proof. It is a bit too fancy. You could just mm. reveal to people, I've got the shield. This is why I'll survive tonight. And then everyone just goes, okay, like I can stop thinking about Harry while because he's doing this fancy play with the shield, people are just going to scrutinize it a bit, especially because I, I think telling Molly, cause she saw clearly his number one ally makes total sense. Getting a bit cocky and telling Jazz and Zach, oh, I didn't like that one bit. Did not like mm. telling more people because when he comes to breakfast tomorrow and starts with this great story of, oh, this is what, like I think Jazz has already put the pieces together there and goes, no, it's because yeah. he's a traitor. He's, he's lying about it. But if he didn't tell Jazz that, feel like that would hesi- make Jazz hesitate at breakfast if he found out, oh, maybe they did try and murder him. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Like, But looping them in seemed like a mistake. I think I think Molly was fine, but the moment he starts telling more people to sort of kind of gloat about it, it was it was a mm. bit too much. I think I think he's getting too big for his britches, old Harry. <laughs> and I like sure. that you mentioned Jazzland because I wanted to talk about Jazz because Jazz has been so interesting to me to watch through these weeks. In that Jazz seems to have the best reads of the faithful for the most part, but also half the time has the wrong read. But then he keeps saying the quiet part's loud and the loud part's quiet. Like to say to people that he's not going to announce his evidence in front of everyone, he's going to talk to people one-on-one or with the people that he trusts is such a bad thing to do when you're a faithful working with other faithful who needs numbers to get the traders out. That I don't know how... And smooth ways to do that. You just like, when Molly was like, Jazz, what do you think? What do you think? You just say, like in a group of people you don't trust, you go, oh, like it's so hard. Like, yeah, like it could be Andrew because he said Andrew previously. And then when you've got Molly on side, you go, actually, Molly, this is my real thoughts. I don't want I don't want these people to know. But he just was like, no, I'm not talking to you in front of these people yeah. and kind of glared at them. <laughs> yeah. It's the way he's out and he's waiting for the climax of the movie to announce all of his evidence and who's the killer. But it's just like you don't need that. You need people to trust you and to build that. Like you, there's no prestige happening here. <laughs> Sam, talk us through the choice of Diane and the mechanism of sipping from the chalice. I kind of like it thematically, but it seemed like a huge froth. You've got to get the chalice. Then you've got to get the chalice to the person. Then you have the funeral, which I I sort of loved, but I also thought, can we get on with the game? We already know it's Diane. 
we already know. So the pomp and circumstance was sort of we could watch the players be worried, be relieved when it wasn't them. But for us this was an enormous part of Episode 7 not giving us really any more than we had at the end of um, Episode 6. I think to balance that up, because I agree with everything you said, but I think it was really nice watching um, Diana Ross's Diana Ross's thing going mm. on. Um, Diana Ross, I haven't, yeah, I haven't put that together until just then. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, as that as that's going on, you see, oh my god, this the son's going to have to watch his mum be buried on TV. I'm just going to say goodbye to her, but it's going to be so sad. So I think they're building up to that. And in fact, they, they were using that to build up to the fact that then Ross is going to become a traitor and try and try and avenge his, his mother's death. So I think that's I think that's probably why they went that way. I really liked it for a couple of extra reasons. Like, firstly, Claudia's whole funeral look was incredible. Like, oh, that was, come on. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then I think that it was brilliant for the way that it put extra pressure on the traitors for a large period of the day where we often talk about the fact that the traders are significantly advantaged in the game for them firstly to think they've murdered someone be at breakfast together and then have that person show up and then have to put on an act even though they have no idea what's going on then to have it being announced that someone has been poisoned and they're going to die at the end of the mission and then they have to play it cool throughout the whole mission to not blow up their own position. So they have to be careful that when they're putting roses into the coffin, if people are voting the wrong way, what do they do in that instance? So there's a lot more jeopardy for the traders than would normally get in a mission. I think that was what made it so interesting to me all throughout. Yeah. Like, in my opinion, episode seven, the, the funeral, is like the greatest episode of the traders. Like, nationwide, I loved it every second of it. Biggest thing... Um, with it though, yes, it, it seemed so unfair for Miles. Like I felt so bad for him. He had set himself up brilliantly and he just got scorched. <laughs> like the producers lit him on fire and poured gasoline on it. They so, but I agree with Sam. Like it is so heavily weighted towards traders that this sort of advantage to the faithful isn't even that much of an advantage. It's kind of like here's a freebie. I think the only change you need to do is still have the chalice twist or whatever. You can make it a new challenge, but just kind of warn the traders a bit. Like there could be risk with doing this. So out of those three, they kind of fight a bit. They go, I don't want to do it. No, you have to do it. And they either have to decide to just not murder and that gives faith one night off, or they try and take that risk. But they read it as, yes, they got the warning of, oh, it takes a bit to take effect, but you could just think, oh, it obviously won't happen the moment they take the drink. It will happen at night. But they just did it without any worry in the world. And, you know, it was all worth it just for the seeing Miles in the morning open the breakfast door, see Diane sitting there and go, oh, <laughs> I have not laughed that hard at the train. It's just Miles was shook and just his whole thing talking to Diane the whole day. Like he, you could tell it, it really rocked him. And he, it, it obviously, I think he realized like, oh, I got screwed here and I don't know how I'm going to survive this. And that seemed a bit unfair. Well, at least if they gave that little bit of warning, like this challenge, you know, if you do this, you'll murder a faithful. However, please know it could be dangerous. And that's it. And then they might just go, oh, why does it say that? Ugh. I want just a bit more warning for the traders. But then it's still do all the rest. Basically tell them who died. Tell them why they died. Like you can do all that. Give the faithful a freebie. But then it will just, you know, 
give those traders that little bit to kind of bit of drama, fight over it. Oh, I don't want to do it. There's so much in the show as a faithful where you just don't know what's going on at all. So, um, <laughs> and the traders control everything. So it's so nice whenever you have literally anything that get, makes it a little bit harder for the traders, I think. I don't think it was because of the faithful that he was banished. I think there was some particular individual who, all, <laughs> oh, to be tell. honest, although, although these faithful are a great group of faithful, it seems like for the most part, it does seem that the reasons why traders have gone out one, two, and three throughout the season has been other traders. That's right, yeah. Yeah, they they get, they get into a ding-dong at the round table, Miles and Paul, and I love Harry whispering to Zach, do you reckon it's two traders going against each other? Mm. Like, yes, Harry, it is. <laughs> so, Sam, wonder, was there anything I, Miles could have done? I think Miles was pretty close to flipping it onto Paul at moments. There were there was so much. It was it was pretty even amongst there. But the, and I think the problem, and we saw it immediately because Paul then went um, just jumping under the future. He then goes to the yes. next the, the episode after. So I think people saw it pretty clearly for what it is. It's a weird thing, eh? Because like sometimes if there's if there's an ever an argument going on with without two people with two people going on, normally both of those people are faithful. Like, it seems weird to step up, put, put your head out so so much and sort of aggressively go against someone else. You're normally, that's the, normally the thing that a faithful will do. When it, it happens and one person is a traitor, almost immediately you can go, oh, cool, that other person's going to be a traitor as well. Like, it's, it's so strange for a faithful to do that in that situation, I think. Not that I ever did that. I was quiet the whole time. That's <laughs> How did you get away with being quiet? Because both in the current US and this UK season, there's a lot of talk about the quiet ones. Oh, I think it's you because you've been quiet. How did you get away with being quiet? I was lucky because I cemented myself as a faithful really early on by voting off uh, Lauren straight away. And yes, then, your um, friend. At- your very close yeah, friend, friend, Lauren. Mm-hmm. And, um, and mm-hmm. then I also um, I got angry at Brooke. As when he was sort of in charge of leading all the, the things. So, so I was quite aggressive to him. And so I suppose that's the, that was a day where I was like, I probably shouldn't be so quiet. So I went maybe a bit too loud um, on that day. But however, it was targeted at the right person who just happened to be the main traitor. And then off screen, we sort of made up. And I said, like, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. I, I, I lost my mind. Um, I've got your back. I, oh, no, I did say on camera, I think you're, you're faithful. So that's what kept me in there. I managed to get under Brooke's wing. What was the vote split there, Sean? You're our tally man. Yeah, we had nine votes for Miles, two votes for Paul, and one vote for Andrew. So votes for two traders and one person who was about to become one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even if Miles managed to flip it onto Paul, I think it doesn't really change anything. I think Miles just Mm. goes the next day. I think Miles and Paul's fates were sealed the moment this whole... One, the dungeon mishap had basically screwed Paul and every night he wasn't murdered. Basically, he's a traitor. And then Miles, this whole chalice thing, confirmed he was a traitor. And Harry just kind of was trying to pick up the faithful pieces and go, guys, like, deal with that. <laughs> There's such a thing, eh? if you ever need to pick people to be in the group for people to go in the dungeon or people go on, on death row, always pick faithfuls. If you're a traitor, never chuck yourself up there because you're immediately put in the spotlight people will think about you we've seen it in every season of the show those people who go up are then later in the next couple of episodes knocked off so just always do faithful and until and until that becomes the norm keep doing that and then once it doesn't become the norm then stop doing that thank you that's my advice 
<laughs> that is the meta game. Yeah. So we go up into into Traders Towers and there's the offer to seduce. Harry tells us that Paul is underestimating him, I think to some extent, and the choices are between Zach, Jasmine, Ross and Andrew. Sean, what did you think of this foursome and did they make the right decision with Andrew? I was really worried at first because when Harry agreed to bring Andrew in and Andrew had been such an advocate for Paul all throughout the show so far, I was worried that the two of them were going to turn against Harry. But I think Harry just has such good social skills in the castle with all the other faithful. And Andrew was Andrew actually really explicitly stated something really intelligent when he was invited to be recruited in that he didn't, it's not really a choice in that you can either say yes and join them or you can say no and be the next person murdered. So Andrew saying yes, it was interesting. I think it's the most reluctant we've seen someone to become a traitor until an, almost an episode later. But <clears throat> Kim going up, you could see in his face, like he was actively shocked that it was the two of them and actively annoyed. And the way that he was speaking to them and being like verbalizing, oh, am I just here to be throwing the bus? And he was very unsure about them. And what I found interesting with Andrew then through the next two episodes is that he played being a traitor kind of well because he was learning how to do it and still being faithful. I think he, I don't know if it was he was more vocal or it was just more of Andrew in the edit, but he also seemed to be speaking up a little bit more, but in ways that make him seem faithful. So I think Andrew's actually doing a pretty good job for the fact that he still, once again, looks like the henchman of a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, I... I believe I said earlier, I'm actually a big fan of how Andrew's been playing this. And because of that, I think it was a terrible idea to recruit him. Like he clearly is in this camp of, I don't want to be a traitor. I'm here to play a faithful game. I'm here to be honest, all this sort of stuff. So when it's pushed upon him, he, you know, it's a bit like Kieran from the first season where it's almost this animosity of like, I don't want to do this and you're forcing me to, and I might just do something in the future to try and screw you over. And he even said that he's like, Oh, I think I'm going to have to go against, Paul Harry eventually like it wasn't a maybe I could make it work he openly said I think I'm gonna have to go against them like because they recruited someone who didn't want to do the job I think they were better off recruiting Zach Zach is there to play the game he wants to be a trader you can tell he's desperate he reminds me a bit of myself like I just want to play like I want to <laughs> I want to scheme and plot and I think Zach would have taken it as a, oh, Harry recruited me. Me and Harry are like best mates. He wants me in as a friend. And when he saw Paul, he would have been like, oh, Paul thinks he's smarter than me and wants to throw me under the bus. Like everyone would have understood the dynamic there. And it probably would have been a healthy relationship for all three of them. Instead, they went for Andrew and it just, it's blowing up. <laughs> like it wasn't, I don't think it was wise. I think for Andrew, it's brilliant. I think Andrew's in a top spot to win this game. So after that day's mission, which we don't need to talk about, except apparently there's a difference between a ballista and a crossbow. And so if it had been a crossbow, Zach would have hit, hit it, but it was a ballista. How sad did the first shot from Zach look? That he lined it up and just like kind of just like rolls out and just like sadly goes bloop over onto the ground. It's just like, oh, um, no. With my eyesight, I didn't even see it. Like I don't, I, like I just heard it tinkle on the ground like it was like someone had thrown a cocktail frankfurt that's what it looked like <laughs> <laughs> 
So I just want to see a little weave that starts happening in the car talk on the way back. And Sam, uh, you and me and Sean have spoken of car talk in the past. Peyton, how important was car talk in your season as far as you were involved in or saw in the edit? Yeah, I mean, I know Annabelle's been a big pusher of this and it's true like car talks in Australia at least were very important because in terms of actual time to discuss very short so these car rides were dedicated time where there was just you and three other people to talk talk strategy talk whatever and you could just talk about anything and most of the time you could dictate what people you're in cars with. So you can go, oh, I really need a conversation with this person. I'll go talk to them. I don't know, you know, how these other nation um, cars get sorted out. Maybe it's random, but it doesn't matter if it's random. Whatever crowd you're with, you take advantage of it. If you're a car full of traders, you become the best friends. If you're a car full of faithful, you make them trust you to vote with you. Like it's always very important because sometimes when you get to the castle or the house, you'll just you'll not see a group of people that you need to particularly talk to. Like I know in my season there was like, oh, I really need to talk to like Blake, like I'll, I'll go have a chat with him. And then just like I got stuck in a group for like the whole time and I never saw Blake and that, you know, that conversation with Blake could have saved me if I proved to him I was like on his side or whatever, but I just never could because he was in another side of, side of the castle and I just was ha- having too important of a conversation right there that I decided to stay and not just leave a conversation and go wander off and maybe spend 20 minutes, you know, mucking around. Like, So, yeah, car talk's super important. Um, I will say, though, sometimes you just get stuck in a car that you're like, oh, I don't trust any of these people. They don't trust me. This is pointless. 30 minutes of talk. <laughs> At least you can see everybody and, and cannot be overheard. Uh, unlike various other things that are happening in this castle, people are very careless about being overheard. It's strange. But in this particular car talk, Paul brings up Harry. This gets back to Harry. Paul says it was someone else who brought him up, but do you think this was a little bit of a nail in a coffin, Sam? Paul is probably going next anyway, but Harry now kind of locks and loads because he hears that Paul said his name. And my recollection, I thought Jazz brought it up and then, um, sorry, Jasmine brought it up and then Paul was like, oh, yeah, I, th- I thought so too. And then it seemed so minor and they just included it in the edit because it then became this thing later on. So that's my read of that. And I think that's what Paul said as well before um, before he was was murdered, uh, before he was banished, sorry. Um, so, so, yeah, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think by this stage in the game, Paul has got too cocky and just needs to go he's, he's sort of he's he, he was on the out anyway so I think he was kind of didn't really have a plan at this point he was just sort of too stuck in his own head hence why we saw him go I think one thing that Harry did here that was really good was that before the round table he went softly to go and try and see how many people were interested in voting for Paul and so it wasn't just a big launch at the round table of these are all the reasons why I think Paul is a traitor He made sure he had the backing first before he went for Paul's throat at the roundtable, which meant that then when Paul threw things back on Harry, it wasn't going to do anything because he already had the votes there. And so I think that was something that was really smart. Whether his decisions continue to be smart after that is something else completely. But I think the way that he led to the roundtable really benefited him overall. What do you think, Peyton? Yeah, I mean... 
it, it was like I said, Paul's goose was cooked. Like you could kind of see the writing was on the wall. And I think, I think Harry, I know everyone's like Harry's playing the most amazing game. To me, it seemed unnecessary. If you see the votes are there to get a fellow trader out, you can perk up a bit at the round table and go, yeah, Paul, like I heard you were saying my name. That I thought we were best friends. That doesn't make me trust you. I may vote for you tonight. And when you vote him out, great, happy days. Well, now he has solidified himself as a trader hunter. I am going for Paul. Hmm. It's me. I'm doing this. And when he goes out, says he's a trader. And the night he is not murdered, you go, why is he still here? He has so to be a that, or something else. Like, so you're saying that Harry couldn't have brought out an itemized list of all the reasons why he thinks <laughs> yeah. Paul was a traitor? Wow. Five the whole yeah. From <laughs> top to bottom. <laughs> that was ridiculous. I think sure. you thought you were going to get saved. And because yeah. of that, it left you and Meg. And because Meg bit, you're a traitor. I'm like... That's so unnecessary. Even, <laughs> I'm pretty sure even Paul at that roundtable went, that was a lot of information that you just gave out. Let me yeah. just respond. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, like, if you know that much, that puts a lot of sus on you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the interesting thing to me after uh, Paul is voted out is everyone going around going, <laughs> saying, Paul's the best traitor ever to play. And not only is Harry annoyed, but also Sari, Alex, and Mike might like a word. You're not the best traitor if you go out at this position. What were the vote counts, Sean? So in that one, we had a seven to four vote. So we only had two people getting votes. It was both Paul and Jazz. We didn't actually talk about the fact that it got pushed onto Jazz for a little while um, after that, but it was... Paul's really, his name was kind of done. He was dead to them. Mm. He gave himself, once he went for the announcement, he gave a massive bow in his last pat on the back to himself as he left. And oh, no, his last pat on the back was saying, I taught Harry to vote me out. That was me. <laughs> Harry learnt from me. I was like, come on, man. Like, just wow. have some grace. <laughs> that was his yeah, last no, no grace. Taking credit for his own elimination. <laughs> oh, sociopath. Got it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know that uh, orangas have no soul. You know that, Sam. <laughs> yes, we know that. We know that. I know I'm allowed to use that term now as well. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, you are allowed. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> So here at the end of uh, episode eight, we must have our own roundtable. Sean, what is the name written on your slate? Sam. What? Peyton, who have you written on your slate and why? I, I just I just can't trust this person. They are 100% a traitor. It's Sam Smith. Yes. Sam, who have you written on your slate and why? I've also written down my own name because my wife is waiting in the car to take me to the beach. Yes, sure I have also written your name me? for that same reason. <gasps> Sam, do I get to do an, are... I've never got to do an exit speech before. Oh, this is great. That's a great. Sam, um, would you stand on the circle of truth and tell us, were you a podcaster would... or not a podcaster? <clears throat> um, can I first just, I'd just like to say thank you. It's been a huge honour to play this game with you all. Um and of course, no hard feelings. Um, I look forward to hanging out with all of you after this. But I am a podcaster. Thank you so much. We'll see you all sometimes later. Oh, well done. Yeah. You'll sleep well tonight. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
little did Sam know we'd actually slipped him some selecting poison at the start of the podcast. And so soon it's he was slow acting. Anyway. <laughs> well, uh, Sean, get us started on episode nine and all that happened therein. So we had a traitor's turret with just Harry and Andrew, and they needed to make a decision about whether they were going to murder or whether they were going to seduce and recruit. I find it kind of strange that I know in New Zealand it was just always a seduction, and in the UK they're really going between the two terms a lot, whether it's a seduction or a recruitment. I really like seduction. It's fun. I think we should really use that as a terminology going forward. But they choose to murder, which I think was probably the right choice after getting traders two nights in a row, and they chose to murder Charlie. And so, Sarah, what did you think about the murdering Charlie? Uh, look, I agree with murdering. I think that was right because it's striking back, as it were, and to seduce would be reactive to the previous two banishments. So I like the murdering. Charlie, I wonder if there's a better choice. I wonder if Zach would have been a better choice to murder. I, I don't know. I don't dislike the Charlie murder it's certainly going to put cats among pigeons because she's extremely well liked and very unlikely to be banished so I suppose that would be a knock against murdering Zach because there's always a bit of a stink on his name. Payton what did you think about this murder? Uh, I mean once again it it's not just traitors isn't a team game it's an individual game so it depends who you are for Andrew, yeah, absolutely murder. Like, getting the numbers dwindled as quickly as possible. I, I generally think Harry needed to try and recruit because of this whole trader hunter label. Because you saw it at the breakfast, like, three people were already, before Harry would even shown, they're like, oh, Harry's not murdered. I don't know what to think. Like, he, he must, like, maybe he's a trader. And then when he rocked up, people going, Harry, why didn't you get murdered? Like, it didn't make sense. Mm. So for Harry, I think he needed to try and recruit potentially one of his close friends, potentially a Molly, go, you're my best friend, you know, Andrew trusts you, let's try and walk this to the end and we'll describe the non-murder potentially. Maybe they went for the shield or you can try and say someone was recruited, they're going random, like, you know, something like that. But at the moment, it's a little too much evidence against Harry. It's like, why aren't you murdered? It doesn't make sense. Obviously, this episode, he'll get the shield and he can start playing fancy, but... It's too late. He's already survived a night without murder. Like, so I yeah. don't know. <laughs> the only thing I disagree with there is that to the selection of Molly, I mean, she's a woman. <laughs> are women allowed to be traitors? Like, is that is that something that we're okay I, with? Look, I think if production chooses them, you just got to get rid of them as soon as possible. Yeah, it's very hard. <laughs> the, the thing, I'm jumping ahead because the next recruitment is also going to be a man. On one hand, yes, you're more shielded. But on the other hand, there are so few men left that you're going to hit a traitor, you know, throw a rock, hit a traitor. Yes, I, I hadn't thought about it that way, Payton. I think that's very insightful. So seduction would have suited Harry because it protects him from the why weren't you murdered question. But for Andrew, it's better to murder. And, in fact, they're going to get that dichotomy at the end of this episode as well where Andrew wants to murder and Harry wants to recruit. I think that's tricky for Harry because I think at this point Andrew's really not trusting of Harry. And so you kind of also have to give Andrew something in that turret to kind of get him on your side a little bit more so he doesn't mm. throw you under the bus. 
And so not that Andrew seems to have that much sway in the larger group at the moment, but you still want him to be on your side there just because you need him for now. He seems to be enjoying himself more in this episode. And then Harry's suddenly got far too big for his boots. He's had a growth spurt, Peyton. Yeah. I mean, I have this entire season been saying Harry's playing the best, he's playing the best, and it seems like now he's gone a bit too far the other way. The best trader will always be the person playing that middle ground of they are planting seeds quietly, like Miles was before the whole chalice disaster, like still trusted by the faithful, but makes sense why they've not been murdered or banished. Like it just sort of makes sense. The moment you're too loud as a trader, it's like, why haven't you been murdered or are you a trader? And he's getting really close to that. It's I've seen it a lot. Harry's Icarus flying too close to the sun right now. And every day he survives is dangerous for his game. This new play with the shield and that, is going to be very interesting where he's going to try and basically, he has to commit fully to the idea, traders tried to murder me and it failed. Hmm. That can backfire badly or it can work really well. High risk, high reward. It will it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think, you know, as we learn at the end of this episode, the recruitment of someone that now has a high vested interest in getting revenge on you, terrible, but he can't have known that. <laughs> like, it's very unlucky. So I, I really feel bad for Harry in that aspect. It is a secret relationship can be a bit unfair in terms of gameplay, but you know, two faithful having a secret relationship is all fair in loving games when the traders know all the information and faithful know nothing. So, you know, kind of balances it out. But even without yeah. a close pre-existing relationship, you know, you have killed someone who that person you are seducing is close to. So, okay, not mm. their mother, but perhaps their best friend in the house, you know. And yeah. we hear from people playing these um, social strategy reality television games that there is a closeness that's fairly swift compared to the outside world. So you can feel very close to someone within the the feel of that bubble that you're in. Payton, do you think that's true? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely true. Like, I wasn't there very long um, for our season, um, longer than it appears on TV for sure. And in my time there, I'd made some great friends, like people that will be at my wedding and stuff like that. Like, so I made wow. great friends um, on my short time in the Traders and I've visited people, like I've gone and seen Annabelle, I've gone and seen Luke, like I'm going to be seeing Blake and stuff in the future and Keith I've caught Ooh, up with. Like, there's lots of people I have been really close friends with and you know over a week and a half two weeks I really built these bonds even though there was this lying aspect about the whole game it was can I trust any conversation I'm having right now is this a genuine bond and you just do you you eat at the same times you're all going through the same experience it is semi jail like you get locked in rooms you you get silence from the outside world so they are your social contact for that short time and it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It's like if you, you know, are going on a holiday with someone, even if you don't know them, you, you'll really enjoy that time with that person. Say if you go on a holiday with someone you've never met, if you spend a week in, you know, in Europe with them, I feel like you'll still be like, I'm going to bond way quicker than if you just mm. met someone for a week in outside the normal world at work or something like that. It can really bond you because it's such a special experience and only you few people can understand that. And I think that's a huge thing in this game. Like you can see some bonds are really starting to make or break the game, it, you know, to the point though it now turns back on itself. You have 
Charlotte and Charlie, like, why would I murder my best friend? No. That's exactly what a traitor would do, you know? Like, so. <laughs> yes. Sean, do you want to say anything about this cabin? This cabin. Yeah, I love this mission. A, this mission was so much fun. A, okay, tell us about we, it. We go to Claudia's cabin, which last year was nightmarish, like, and it's had some renovations. And my God, what a glow up. Like, this, if this <laughs> apartment was in Sydney, it would be $800 a week in rent. Like, it is beautiful. It's got a nice basement. There's some composting occurring downstairs. Like, it just has so many things. There's a bit of a quirk with the lighting, but I'm sure a renter can deal with that. I'm not sure what the bathroom situation is. What but... about the toads? Toads for oh, free? Natural wildlife. Water yeah. features. It's a beautiful spot. Yeah. Water features. It could be your prince. Yes, <laughs> True. I liked this. It was like, was it was it an escape room, sort of? A little bit, yeah. It was like a, a team-building activity, yeah. Yes. But what I loved about this, a really simple thing that the Australian series actually did a lot, is that they were finding the physical coins as their money for the mission. And so much of the UK and the US series, the money's kind of just invisible. It's like, if you do this activity, you will get this much money. Whereas in Australia, we often had these silver bars that were either be part of the mission or they'd physically be there. And so it was a tangible way of seeing how much the money was changing over time. So the fact that I actually had to pick up the gold coins, I thought was a really good addition because it's just visually interesting, which I think was cool. Yeah. I personally loved the challenge, but my, my most favorite was definitely like pulling the old switcheroo with like people that go in the tunnel. It's like, yeah, it's dark mm. and a bit dank and there's some nasty stuff. But it's really the ones that decided not to go into the tunnel that got the worst off. Like, yeah. like they were like there was a, a short frame of Andrew just covered in trash, like just <laughs> disgusting trash. And I love that. Like Zach is squealing his head off. Like they clearly went, oh, I don't want to go in the tunnel. That's going to be like bad. And it's like, no, staying up was the bad choice. Like I love that twist and the, the lights coming off and on. Like I really enjoyed that. I I tend to skip challenges. Um, because that's kind of a, you learn nothing from it. But I, I sat down, watched all these challenges, and yeah, really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I liked it for the entertainment. I mean, I like challenges generally. Yeah. I'm happy to see people doing them. You know, the ballista breaking names. It's like you get that satisfying smash of the glass. I thought we felt we spent too long on it because it was really like yada yada. Mm. This I loved. I could have watched more of it. I think there's a toad on of, my thigh i think it's kind of similar to why i love the funeral as well is that it starts off being like this is ridiculous but i'm so on board with it and then it manages to get more ridiculous as it goes but this show just commits when it does something it commits to it and it does it so well in the just yeah. like the hilarity of like ross trying to keep both light switches um on so they've got lights in the basement but then they can't read the map. So he's got to turn it off. And the people downstairs are like, we need light, we need light. And then just that back and forth of just like the absolute chaos that it causes. Well, Claudia's just peering in and just shouting like random insults at them, basically. It's just a fun, fun time. And I particularly liked because, you know, for each person that doesn't get out in time, they're going to get minus a thousand pounds. And I thought it was intriguing how quickly, right at the end, when all their adrenaline surged and now sort of fallen back down, but they figured out somebody has to stay behind. So that was really smart. And to do it, somebody has to stay behind, make it a quick decision. And 
I mean, it was said she sacrificed herself so that, no, she didn't. She stayed behind to, to keep the lights on <laughs> so they could say where they were going. But I, I thought it was well done. They were suspicious of the cabin. They all saw season one or at least we imagine they also season one. So they thought they were in for something, they got relief, and then they were in for it again. So I, I thought it was like really well structured. Payne, take us to this round table. What's the setup that's been done that led to this ouster of Charlotte here? Yeah, I mean, I think there was just always going to be heat on Charlotte due to her close closeness to Paul and then obviously voting for Paul being a bit of a leading head, like trying to get him out. Um, it was a bit confusing for a lot of the players, which, you know, fair enough, you need, you have so little evidence you try and work on with what you've got. So when someone that, you know, they're my best friend, they're my best friend, there's no way they're a trainer, no way a trainer. And then it comes to roundtable and they vote for that person. It is suspect. So you've got to, you, you've got to discuss it. You can't just ignore it. Um, and then obviously Jasmine was a big pusher of that. And then Charlotte is pushing back against Jasmine. And then as Sam was saying earlier, two faithful tend to just argue. And then everyone else just kind of sits back and goes, well, good luck. <laughs> like, I'm not going to touch this. I'm not going to stick my neck out. I'll vote for one of you two. Like, it, it becomes a bit of a, a done deal. It happened on the roundtables I was at. It just, it, it tends to be easier just to let the fight happen and deal with the, the aftermath. Especially as either a trader or a faithful, you know, for the faithful, it's the yeah, anybody exactly. but me. And for the traders, it's like they're just taking each other out. I don't need to do anything. Sean, yeah. what was your thinking here with the Jasmine, Charlotte or Charlotte, as Harry wrote, choice? And why do you think it was Charlotte that went? Well, I think it was just that closeness to Paul and them trying to look at who was in Paul's orbit and who was working closely with Paul because they're probably a trader as well. And that can be a little bit of faulty thinking because, as we've talked about previously, one of the best strategies is to be close to a trader because that's going to prevent you from being murdered. Now, Charlotte wasn't doing that intentionally. She was aligned with Paul because she really liked Paul. But as soon as you are seen to be close to someone who's revealed to be a trader, I think crosshairs are going to be on you unless you have some very good reasons why you are faithful or why someone else might be a trader. And it ends up being the back and forth. Like if you are having a visible argument with someone else, those two people are likely to become the two options. And like you've said before, whether you are a trader or faithful, you are likely to just sit back and be like, well, I'm happy to not be collateral damage in this fight. I'm just going to vote for one of them and not stick my neck out. Jasmine and Charlotte were like a lot of the general names people were saying anyway. So they were probably happy. They were like, well, I kind of want to find out if Charlotte is a traitor. So I'm cool with that. Like, let's find out. <laughs> we saw in your season, Payton, that uh, if anyone mentioned Sam, not good Sam, but bad Sam, then the crosshairs went on to them, not only from Sam, but everybody else piling on. So <laughs> being quiet at the round table, but not too quiet, having no opinions, yeah. but having some opinions, it seems like a very fine line to walk. It's an incredibly hard balance to have. Um, you need to have sus on you, but not too much sus. You need to be innocent, but not too innocent. You need to fight, but not fight too much. Like there's so many different layers to it. So like, as you were saying with my season, you know, the culture tend to be like, oh, you're accusing someone. So that means you're a traitor kind of thing. That tended to be what was happening. And at the end of the day, 
like if that's the culture and you're one of the people benefiting from that, why would you go against the grain? You know, a lot of these players were totally happy with it until it bounced back onto them. And then they went, wait, why did that happen? It's like, well, you kind of, you fostered that narrative of that happening. Um, I was a big proponent of we will vote based on evidence. So when it came the option of Sarah, who was openly gunning for me, I didn't care. I don't care she's gunning for me. She's clearly a faithful. I'm not going to waste my vote on her because that seemed like letting the traders dictate the, the the plot of the game. So, you know, me and Annabelle and that discussed the Corinne and tried to do something different. But we, you know, I was letting Annabelle being that loud voice in the room. I, I went at Corinne, but Annabelle was far and away the loudest because I thought, well, if this is successful, Annabelle's lost the game like if if Corinna is a trader Annabelle will have to be taken out because she's a trader hunter openly I was trying to benefit from the little bit loud not loud enough kind of crowd and I think that's sort of what you have to do to have longevity in the game you can't be too loud you can't be too quiet and it's it's painful this game is so hard and it's so luck based <laughs> like yes a lot of people like to think they're a terrible faithful these people are idiots or these people are playing terribly play a game of mafia and tell me if you can figure out your best friends are, are mafia or traders. You won't. That's how the games work. They're designed to be hard. So when people are saying, oh, as if you can't figure it out, people can't figure out when their best friends are lying to them. Why do you think they'll be able to figure out someone they've never met in their life is lying to them after a couple of weeks? Like, it's incredibly hard. As Sam was saying, you have no information. So you just go with what you've got. Two people are arguing. Well, it's probably a 50-50 shot. If they're a trader or not, I'll go for it. Let's see. <laughs> This is interesting because after the vote, Ross, Harry, Andrew and Evie are in the kitchen and they're wondering who Paul recruited, uh, maybe a scapegoat, and Harry says, well, he went for Ash, he went for Miles, you know, and they were both traitors. And Evie said, so did you. You went for Miles and you went for Paul. And Andrew does a beautiful casual diversion. That's when my ears pricked up. I thought, Andrew, where did you come from? Where he says, do you think that Jasmine's suspicious as if he hasn't quite heard the conversation? Well, maybe he didn't, but, you know, in his beautiful Welsh accent, as if he hasn't quite heard it, but this beautiful diversion, I thought there's a little bit of subtle positioning that isn't shouting. So, Sean, what's our count here on the vote? So we had six votes for Charlotte, two votes for Jasmine, and one vote for Jazz. And now Jazz at this point in the game, great. when we saw all the different spellings of Charlotte, I'm really worried that sometimes Jazz and Jasmine's votes for each other might get mixed up. Well, someone did spell Jasmine with a Z, and I thought, uh, ooh. Oh. Yes. I think <laughs> you could say, not me. You spelt it wrongly. You spelt it P-A-D-I-N, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Ian famously voted for Pay, P-A-Y. Oh, who's that? <laughs> never, me. never heard of that guy in my life. <laughs> yeah. I have a clean record on the track. I've never been voted for. <laughs> you have never been voted for. Yeah. <laughs> so we've we've touched on it and touched and run away like a hot stove. Let's talk about the decision to recruit Ross. Ross's reaction to the letter, which I feel at first he thinks is murder. He says, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" And then he picks it up and reads it, and he goes, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" Both things I've got were to mention, bad. That was two of the for fuck's sake. There was one more when Charlotte announced that she was a faithful that he also said, oh, for fuck's oh, sake. For fuck's so yeah, in the brilliant. last like five minutes of the show, he <laughs> dropped it three times. Yes. Brilliant. Peyton, what do you think of the choice to recruit? I think as we said before, Andrew wants to murder 
Harry wants to recruit. Harry gets mm. his way as the senior traitor, I suppose. Yeah, I think a big narrative of this is the whole shield that he hid from most of the people except for Molly, and then he brings in Jazz and Zach and explains that. Um, I mentioned how I think it's being a little too tricky. I still like the idea of revealing you have the shield in the morning and go, oh, don't you don't even need to go, oh, maybe they tried to murder me. Just go, let oh, someone else say it. Yeah, let and then someone, someone else will go, they tried yes. to murder you. Like it happened in our season. Liam said for Sam, oh, they tried to murder you. And then you go, I didn't push that narrative. That was them. Like mm. I think Harry could have easily done that. I think Molly would have gladly stepped up to be that person. Molly would have been like, they tried to kill Harry. Like it's even more evidence he's faithful. I think Harry would have been a good position. I don't think Andrew's getting sus on him. I don't think he is like it, it explains why he's not been murdered because he's got a couple votes here and there, but it he he's kept around because he's not really a huge threat. Like I think Andrew and Harry benefit from this recruitment to get someone in to help them walk to the end. But and he was I think in the dungeon. Harry went a bit too tricky. Yeah. Andrew yeah. was in Andrew, the dungeon and with any other two known season, traitors. Andrew yeah. feels like an endgame faithful. Like he feels like yeah. that kind of person would be around <laughs> at the end that yeah. maybe people will vote for or maybe gets through to the end. So he's playing the fact that he's managed to be really consistent after being recruited. I think he's actually in a really good position, whereas Harry is starting to do probably too much. It's almost like Harry thinks that it's more like a survivor and he's trying to build a resume as to why he's the best mm. trader. But there are no points for being the best to. trader. There is only money for the trader who gets to the end. So you don't need to be the best. You just need to do the most to get through without suspicion coming onto you. Yeah, it's so true. Like, obviously it showed, like, picking Ross was a poor decision with what happened with his mum. Um, I also think it was a poor decision to recruit Ross because Ross is a faithful. Like, that, everyone's kind of like, wow, Ross is a mess. <laughs> like, Ross is screwing this up. And I don't think anyone thinks, wow, Ross is a really sneaky trader. I think people think he's a bad faithful. So that makes him a terrible person to recruit because he's not going to be someone that gets voted out potentially and is a shield for you. I think Andrew and Ross are these bumbling faithful that have been recruited and then they'll get to the end and no one will vote them off because they're like, well, it can't be Ross. He's played terribly this whole game, not kind of computing. Well, he could have been recruited. Jazz is pushing that narrative. He he said it before he was actually recruited, so it might come back up. Jazz might keep pushing this narrative that Ross has been recruited. But I generally could see Ross and Andrew walking to the end after taking out Harry and going, I think that was the last trader. Like, let's end the game. And then everyone goes, yeah, Ross and Andrew, they've been playing pretty, like, you know, pretty badly, <laughs> or like as faithful, but for traders, it's phenomenal. Sean, what did you think? So, yeah, I think it's really interesting in that Ross, for our entertainment, is the greatest choice because <laughs> with this brilliant. whole underlying yeah. story arc that Harry and Andrew have no idea about, it's absolutely brilliant. Like to get that scene where Ross goes to Trey's Tower and Ross is trying to be quite composed. He's like, Can I, I just want to get illogic on a few of the different murders. And he, phrases it really well to kind of be like, I'm just asking randomly what the logic was behind a few murders. So what was the deal with murdering Diane? And then Harry manages to say <laughs> the worst possible thing he could say in that situation. She was getting too brave. We had to put her in her place. Oh. And you could see Ross's face twitching yes. with anger as he tried to keep composed. And like, it's brilliant TV. Like, you can't compete with that. And 
I really got to go back to step that when they first announced they're going to recruit Ross, I loved Claudia in the turret. Claudia usually doesn't ask who they're recruiting, but clearly there was some word from a producer that was like they're recruiting Ross, and Claudia's like, ha ha, I've got something to say. And for <laughs> Claudia to go in and be like, ah, uh, so who are you guys recruiting? Ah, another man. How old timing of you? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, remains to be seen if that blows back on them, but in some ways because two male traders have been caught and one female. But if, if it's a recruitment, you can't say that there's going to be a gender. I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing in terms of strategy. We've talked about it, the recruitment itself in terms of strategy, but the gender of the trader, I don't know. It could, it, like many things with the traders, it could, it works both ways. It works mm, as a good double thing. thing. Is it, or yeah. It's a double thing, well, yes. I want to know from both of you, Based on these three traders now, who do you think is going to get banished next? So, Peyton, who do you think? I mean, they, they've definitely set it up that it seems like Jasmine might be the consensus pick, which I think if Jasmine stand, like does go the next episode, that then puts Harry in a lot of hot water because there no longer becomes a general consensus vote. I think Jasmine is like, well, she must be the last one. And so when she stands up there and she's a faithful, Harry's once again survived another night of not being murdered. I think it then bounces onto Harry and then it becomes really interesting because then what you're left with, Ross, Andrew, Jazz, Zach, like you've got some real gamers and then you've got some really unsuspicious traders. Like it could be a really interesting end game. I think Jasmine might be the next consensus pick and then I think Harry follows soon after. What will be tricky about that is because if they banish Jasmine next, they'll get to murder. And then mm. at the following round table, there'll be three traders and three faithful. Mm. So if the traders stick together, they only have to get one faithful on their side to have a majority. That the, editors, the editors have told us. <laughs> traders don't happening. stick together. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It showed in our season, but it happens in every season. Mm. When you are that close to hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. and you go, people are already sus on Harry. I could easily push this and get myself some more money. And why wouldn't you? I think it would be, you know, I don't know if they understand that the trader's dilemma could be a thing. I knew it could be a thing going into my season. You just have to read a Wikipedia page of the traders. It's on the game rules. Like that's all I read going in, in terms of like the Norwegian seasons or whatever, the Norway season, all that sort of stuff. But if they know that you don't want to go to the end, with multiple traders. You don't. You should know that. So you should try and get to the end as a solo trader, win all the money, you get the most money. It's better TV, in my opinion. It's more fun mm -hmm. when people just start backstabbing. So I don't think if they get to 3-3, three, three, I think Harry's getting too big for his britches and is going to go, oh, I've got Molly on side. I could get another vote and get someone out. But I think it's going to backfire on Harry. I think Andrew and Ross will see numbers going against Harry and going, Jazz is keen to vote for Harry. He's already said his suspicions. Let's just... Let's do that. <laughs> yes, I think that Harry's made a couple of of fateful errors. He will be the master of his own fate. Having the laundry list for Paul rather than just dropping Paul's name, sitting back and letting other people who he knew full well with us on Paul take the lead and run with it and then he could, you know, reluctantly vote. I think that he's become unbelievably cocky after having underplayed it so much, still having a twinkle in his eye, but saying, you know, I, I need to underplay this. They think I'm sweet and innocent. I need to keep that. And now it's like he's he's gone full-blown uh, villain. 
And then recruiting Ross. Partly he couldn't know about the mother-son relationship. But if he hadn't been cocky, he wouldn't have chosen those words to speak mm. about her. Because remember, <laughs> Peyton, exactly what you said, this yeah. is not a team game. Mm. So you could have been, oh, Diane, that one was really hard. Like any name that he says, say it was really yeah. hard because you don't know about Ross's relationships in the house and also why are you showing all your cards, even mm. to fellow traitors. So I think that Harry, and Harry's name has been bandied about a little, as as we have seen, and I do trust the editors here, and I don't think they're leading us astray. So are we saying Jasmine goes, Harry goes, Andrew and Ross win? Question mark? It's my current theory. It's my yeah. current mm-hmm. theory. I could see Andrew and Ross, I don't know when they limit the recruitment, I could see them recruiting again, going let's let's go three to the end or something because they're not the most strategic of players, um, uh, Ross and Andrew, and they're thinking we can just get the majority and walk. But it's really looking like Andrew and Ross might be able to just play the whole where faithful convince, convince like Molly and Evie. Jazz is still here. How is Jazz still here? You mm-hmm. vote out Jazz. Zach's left in a huge minority. I don't think he'll be able to pull the numbers onto anyone else. And then Molly potentially gets dragged to the end and loses all the money to Ross and Andrew because she's so trusting. Like, Do they share? If it's a dilemma, I generally think these two do. I think they go, we were recruited, we want to win as faithful, and they kind of win as faithful a bit, even though they win as traders. I could see them playing that. Yeah, I just want to pay for you both my ideal way of the season ending and it's very unlikely to happen but just imagine a situation where these three traders get to the end they've banished everyone else it's been miraculous how they've gone through and then we get to the end and it's the traders dilemma and we get them turning over their slates and we get share from andrew being a faithful man wanting to share that prize with everyone that 120,000 pounds being split or will end up being about 100,000 pounds split three ways, 33,000 pounds each is nothing to sneeze at. Harry really having bonded and built this team, being like, you know what, I'm going to do the faithful thing as a man of service, I'm going to share as well. Then the camera goes to Ross. And after having Ross and Diane cliffhangers the last three weeks, it zooms in slowly. The camera is slowly getting closer and closer to his face. We get quick flashes of Diane as it's zooming in on his face. (laughs) And he says, I've thought long and hard about this. And what you don't know is that you murdered my mother. Turns it over, steal. (laughs) And just Ross takes all of the money and everyone is elated and the season ends. Bravo. Paul was not her son, but Ross was. Some version of that, I think, I'm I'm not seeing Molly and Evie rallying to suss out what's going on. There's an outside chance that Jazz and Zach can figure it out, but it seems currently they're more likely to be sus on each other than they are to certainly figure out Andrew, uh, let alone this extremely late uh, recruitment. So very exciting times ahead, I feel. And it's almost like you can tell me any combination of the people who are left and I'd be happy mm. with them winning. So that's always a good uh, a good way to see a season. So, Peyton, where can the people find you if you want to be found? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty quiet on social media in that 
Um, but you can find me on Instagram, work hard, get paid, spelled P-A-E-D. And then on Twitter, <laughs> the Apple Teeny, you can find me there. Um, but yeah, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to message um, any Traders fans, all that sort of stuff. Uh, if you are potentially going on future seasons, hit us up. I'll give you some. <laughs> I'll give you some dirt. <laughs> help you out. Um, I'm well, always happy to talk traders. <laughs> is there going to be a third season? We don't know. Well, there is of, of the US, and there is of probably the UK with the success ah, of it, them. It, so if international those... listeners, hit him up. Exactly. Uh, Sam Smith, apart from all the other things he does, is a children's book author, and his new book, "Don't Scare the Dentist." Will Dr. Charlie get over his fear? This brilliant picture book will leave readers ready to help their dentist become less fearful of children. That's available now. I know Sean has his copy. So that's Sam's new book, Don't Scare the Dentist. Sean, what have you got going on and where can the people find you? So if you want to listen to everything I've got going on, you should go back to the start of the podcast and just listen to it again. Because other than that, I've been on school holidays. <laughs> Not too much is happening until next week where you can listen to us talk rubbish about this show again. How about you, Sarah? What's going on with you? Well, talking rubbish is my profession. You can follow me at Sarah Carradine on all the things if you'd like to do that. Over on RHAP Reality TV Rehap Ups, I do a weekly true crime review podcast called Crime Scene with the great Murray Forth. Coming up, uh, Nicole Weaver, wonderful, wonderful guest, joins us to discuss great photo, lovely life. I'll let you in on a secret, five magnifying glasses from each of us for this incredible documentary. Watch it on Binge in Australia and Max in the US. Thanks to Payden Bennett's and the banished Sam Smith for joining us in these gorgeous Scottish highlands, to Isaiah and the team at Silent Podcasts. And remember, hate is going to hate. And trade is going to recruit Diane's son. <laughs>